when the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. While many kids are making their holiday wish lists, the patients at Nationwide Children's Hospital are simply wishing they could be home. But you have the power to make their stay a little brighter. The moment you make a donation, the butterflies on the lawn at Nationwide Children's light up for our patients to see. And that gift brings joy, funds research, and the world's finest care. Please, light up the lawn. Light up a life. Give now at nationwidechildrens.org give. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host today, Kevin Massari, as always here with Mike Bunt. Got a lot to talk about. It is a playoff Tuesday. It's a playoff Tuesday here on the Cover One Podcast Network. We'll be talking about the Miami matchup here this weekend as well. We're going to have on Justin here from the Pro Football Network. Uh, really good, uh, good guys. Should know a lot about the draft. What, what um, Justin Heyer will also know more about what Miami expects to do. Maybe some injury updates. They got some stuff on the fold. But we'll be right back at you shortly. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw, and it is called in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Allen deep downfield, wide open. We got a playoff Tuesday, Mike. Uh, welcome back into the Going Deep podcast. We have a lot to talk about. Justin Hyer is going to join us here shortly uh, mid-show. But first and foremost, Mike, how are you feeling on this very, very busy uh, sports weekend coming up? I'm doing great. I'm excited that it's finally time to talk about the postseason. This has felt like the longest season ever, just waiting for this point. But now uh, we have a big matchup on hand. And depending on how that goes, there could be a run to the Super Bowl. So uh, excited to see how everything plays out and can't wait to talk about it for this next hour. Yeah, before we get Justin coming on the show here in you know 20 to 30 minutes, uh, once again, Justin Heyer from the Pro Football Network, really good, writes articles over there, draft analyst, as well as longtime Dolphins fan from the U. Um, how do you think, Mike, we haven't, we haven't talked yet, I think, post. We had, obviously, we had the one post-Thursday show where the, the announcement was just coming on with Mark Schofield. The announcement was just coming on and the decision. I want to start there. Obviously, the Bills took uh, taking care of the um, New England Patriots with two return touchdowns by Naeem Hines. Uh, what a wonderful trade. Did that happen to be midseason by Brandon Bean to, at the very least, upgrade that return game, give him some running back depth 
as well as potentially earn them a victory at a much needed time to end the year. But we were on the show when uh, the potential of that this ruling was just first released before the vote. And I kind of want to get your take on it now that you've had some time to think about it and the ruling of obviously the, the neutral decision, if it is, um, you know, Kansas City, Buffalo, the fact that, um, you know, they kind of went off of a mixture of loss column and, and win percentage. What is kind of your overall feeling of the, the ruling and, you know, kind of where we're at as we approach wildcard weekend? I think the NFL made the most out of a very complicated situation. There was always going to be teams that got the raw side of it. I think Cincinnati was given a horrible uh, situation as a result of it. Um, Buffalo, it obviously sucks that for all practical reasons, their their chance at a one seed was stolen for them from them. And then Kansas City obviously makes out tremendously uh, with it. I don't know if there was a, a better way of handling it. The most fair way would have been making up the, the Cincinnati Bills game, but you can't do that without delaying the whole rest of the playoffs. So I never really thought that was realistic. And then you were either going to have a neutral site compromise or the whole idea of do you pick the buy or do you pick home field advantage, which in a way Kansas city would have picked the buy anyway. And they do lose uh, home field against the bills if it comes down to that. So uh, it, it was tough. I feel bad for, for the bills uh, because we, we have no clue where this game is going to be right now. Uh, obviously, Indianapolis and Detroit are out of the running. Are they going to give it to a, a indoor stadium like Atlanta, Vegas? Or are they going to throw it somewhere outdoors, uh, potentially even a college stadium? Uh, would it be uh, Pittsburgh? Could you do it Cleveland, Cincinnati, depending on the situation? Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan? It, it's just one of those unfortunate things. But in the end, they did try to make it fair to the Bills. The Bills will not be going on the road at any point during uh, this postseason. So that in itself is some good news because had the Bills lost to Cincinnati, had that game been resumed, they would be the three playing the Ravens right now and potentially going on the road starting in the divisional round. So tough situation, but it is what it is. We all like to remember the 2021 season uh, minus the last 13 seconds of that game was a really high note. A lot of fans think really highly of that team in that season. Um, and still a lot of people think it might have been one of our best teams ever, uh, which is interesting because they struggled at, at points last year. They didn't end on a particularly high end going into the playoffs, played at a super high level in the playoffs, I guess, is where it matters. Um, but what seed were they, Mike? They were the three. Um, getting a pretty tough matchup against New England, take, took care of them uh, in, in buzzing form. And then had to go to Kansas City, um, and that's you know, we know how that game went. What a great game! But that's the kind of thing you're trying to avoid is uh, all of those road games um, leading up to the playoffs. Yes, Tennessee had a loss, so that means they would have hosted the AFC Championship game against Cincinnati. But it's hindsight. Um, but still, you had the potential to play two road games. Uh, the three seed is is used to be okay in years past. Now it's very much so. The two seed does hold the water of of the double really, I mean, really one of the only times in football where you can host three home games is from the number two seed. So that's, what's an interesting position group. And it's a really interesting kind of, kind of 
seeding, you got to kind of really rank what matters. And I do believe that the difference between two and three is more than enough to make teams play their starters, obviously, and to to really think about that uh, that that seeding position. And I'm going on record to say I think Cincinnati got the raw deal on the coin flip. That I agree with. I think that was a terrible um, compromise. Baltimore. I'm assuming Baltimore's complaining. I'm assuming Baltimore was like, wait, they, had to they didn't beat Buffalo. Yeah, huh? you can't just lose your chance at the division right. that way. So the tough thing about this all is you think about it, it's only been three years since they eliminated the bye for the two seed. And in those three years, the Bills have finished second in the AFC twice. So right. that, that's the tough part. I think the reason why it was so it was perceived so badly by Cincinnati was the fact that they were up seven to three and driving. There was still 51 minutes left in the game. So obviously the Bills would have had more than enough chances to come back, but they would have been without Taron Johnson the rest of the game. They would have been down, obviously, DeMar Hamlin. There's no way that they were ever going to finish the rest of the game that night. But in a normal situation where DeMar Hamlin doesn't have a life-threatening situation, Cincinnati would have had a very good chance at winning that game. I'm not saying they would have, but it would have been an uphill battle for the Bills where they would have had to win a shootout. And like we said, with Josh Allen, certainly possible. I do want to address the one comment that you just put up there um, about no one would have cared if the playoffs were delayed by a week. The NFL cared. Obviously, DeMar Hamlin's health, first and foremost, that's the most important thing. The reason they didn't make up the game was because the NFL didn't want to delay their entire schedule by a week. They didn't want to delay the other 30 teams from playing their games in week 18. So obviously everything with DeMar Hamlin, his health recovery, the mental health of the Bills players, the the ability to process what took place and to, to get in the proper mindset, that was all the number one priority. That's why they didn't play on Tuesday. That's why they didn't play on Wednesday. They needed a break. They needed to get away from football, and they had to hear good news regarding DeMar before they could mentally get themselves in a place where they could play. But with all that said, the NFL did care, and that's why they didn't end up making up this game. Uh, The NFL was wrestling DeMar's health with the business side of the game plus the competitive balance. That's why we have the situation where they ended up playing week 18. They're not making up the Cincinnati Bills game, and yet they still came out with the neutral site because you had three things that were tugging in different directions, and they had to make a compromise involving all three. Um, so it's, it wasn't the proper time to talk about football last Tuesday, last Wednesday maybe even until Thursday evening when we got some good news. But now it is, and that's just the honest truth. Yeah, and just to kind of recap that, like there's the Bills and the Bengals care too. They would have been the teams that have to play the game while everyone else is sitting on a bye watching. Um, And, you know, if we care about player safety, why would you want to play another game that you could potentially have an injury at just to earn the buy, you're playing a game to earn the buy. It's counterintuitive. Um, so unfortunately the way that that was, the resolution was always consider the health of this player. Let's bond behind that. The players are already thinking, um, you know, 
being there mentally and, and, and emotionally with Demar. So there's just, there's just no way that that made sense to play that game. And um, you know, it was a really trendy topic. Kansas city would have liked that game to be played because then they could have earned their home field. Still thinking that Cincinnati could have won. Um, but to me, it's a matter of, they already got a pretty good end of the deal. They just got to play some really bad teams at the end of the year to earn the one seed. Um, Cincinnati and Buffalo each got the Ross deal. Cincinnati got the Ross deal once again, because they had to, to do the coin flip. If they had lost, they're playing against a third string quarterback. Um, I'd argue they deserved it if they couldn't pull that off. And they played pretty bad in the second half. And um, the Bills got the raw end because they were, they dropped 40% likelihood at the one seed with that decision. Realistically, Cincinnati had no chance at the one seed once Kansas City had beaten the Raiders. So there really wasn't, they got the potential to be from three to the two. That's really not enough to want to replay a football game. Um, and I, once they won, I thought their their raw dealness went way down. Like there's no coin flip. There's 100%. No because even last year, we saw the last week of the season when Cincinnati had the opportunity to clinch the three seed, they decided that wasn't important and they settled for the four seed. That's how the Bills ended up getting to the three. The Bills won their final game the regular season, and I believe Cincinnati lost to Cleveland uh, the last game of last year because they didn't prioritize it. So um, when it came to is Cincinnati afraid of going on the road in the playoffs, absolutely not. They, they were totally okay with it. Where Cincinnati's beef really would have been is if you had – had they lost against the Ravens and they did the coin flip and also the scenario where say Kansas city did lose and you just lost a chance at the one seat. But like you said, once, once it all handled itself out, it, it kind of took away a little bit of that. Widow, appreciate you, my man, Widow, my uh, one of my friends from spaces. I really appreciate you coming in here uh, with the super chat. Um, is it too soon to talk Brown and Beasley over Davis and McKenzie? Uh, the team can't afford to get behind on down and distance versus good teams. I mean, it's a growing sentiment. I mean, you saw what John Brown's able to do. He does have possess a skill set that he's pretty good at. He also beat Sauce Gardner earlier this year on a one-on-one -on -one combo coverage that absolutely blew Sauce Gardner with the rookie of the year uh, out of the water. Um, had that play got the ball gotten there uh, in a pretty bad weather condition. Uh, it would have been a huge play against the Jets. Obviously, the Bills beat the Jets anyways that week, uh, but there is much to do with Davis being really good in those situations. Um, but he struggles like Davis has struggled. He struggles with drops. He struggles with drop uh, connection turnover in terms of how many times is he making a big play with the opportunities he's presented. He caught three balls on 10, uh, 10 attempts this week. Uh, that's just, you're not looking at 30% Diggs was at 70%. You're looking at a 50, at least a 60% ability to come down with a pass just straight up. But Eric Turner, uh, we had uh, cover one in French earlier today. And like Eric Turner said on that show, um, he's in the biggest 50, 50 situations of anyone in the league. We don't give him, he has the least amount of short passes in the NFL. Him and Jalen Waddle are the number one and two in not ever uh, receiving short passes ever targets. Um, so of course his catch rate is going to be down and he's always in contested ball situations, whether they look easy to us or not 50 yards away, jumping up against corner ones or safety ones in this league will always present a challenge. Yes. You can't always predict Josh Allen to throw an absolute dime to your chest uh, 50 yards away. Um, so those situations are going to be harder than a six yard out route to Cole Beasley um, that we saw in Cincinnati. And that was a three yard out really um, that, Josh threw a little high. 
cold and adjust overly well. Um, and the cabal goes incomplete for a field goal. Little did I know we, uh, a lot of fans would be saying we lost to Cincinnati seven to three on that play. But uh, nonetheless, I do believe that there is definitely some Brown and Beasley over McKenzie. That is, that is for sure. Like I, like I'd like to see that move happen as soon as this week. Uh, as far as Davis out of the lineup, that's the one that's hard. I know we have like this, this like focus on a couple of Davis's negative plays, but he really does do enough 800. And I, and I might be one of his biggest fans of the wide receiver two role, 800 yards, seven touchdowns, like a little bit more production. Josh does give him a lot of opportunity, um, but really outside of aforementioned Jalen Waddle and a couple of others, you know, to, uh, to Cincinnati comes to, to, comes to mind. There really isn't this high flux of receiver twos across the league, Mike. So what's what's your opinion on, you know, making that switch with uh, Davis and Davis and Beasley and Brown and, and uh, McKenzie? It's uh, I just don't think we're really going to see it. The Bills have been rolling with their guys all season unless something drastically changed in the one month that they've had Beasley and the month and a half that they've had John Brown, it's really hard for me to think that they're going to be getting high snap counts to start the postseason, unless the bills are intentionally holding back and, and hiding things for the playoffs. But if that was really the case, I, I think you would have seen one of them get elevated to the actual roster uh, mm-hmm. at this point. So I think they were more so brought in as security blankets in case something, another injury did happen or something serious uh, took place. I get the conversation with Gabe Davis at wide receiver too. I understand why fans are frustrated with him, especially after you see playoff games like last year against Kansas city, where he just goes off for 200 yards and four touchdowns. You see that high ceiling and a lot of people were hoping for more of that, but I think really that's more of a fault of fans uh, struggling with the expectations game uh, before the year. Did, what, did we think it was possible he could have a thousand yards? Absolutely. But I think most of us uh, thought 900 yards around there, uh, seven to 12 touchdowns, a, a big, a big range, but really dependent on how they use him in the red zone to have 830 plus yards uh, receiving seven touchdowns and close to 50 receptions. That's not really a horrible number two production. What Bills fans, I think, are hoping for more of is better consistency, reduce the drops, uh, have a higher catch rate. But like you said, it's not like they're just doing short little passes to him where you can easily get improve your numbers. He's in a lot of these tough situations. And a lot of times when you get a dart, it's not the easiest play when you're 20, 25 yards down the field. So I do think Gabe Davis needs to improve overall. But there's a big difference from being the number four man, which he was the last two years, compared to what his role is right now. If you actually look at it, his first two years in the league, he had 35 catches, I believe it was 62 targets his rookie year, 63 targets his second year, was 500-plus yards each year, and I think seven touchdowns, six touchdowns. This year he has the 48 receptions on 93, I believe it's 93 targets. So his catch rate went down from like 55% to 52%. But that's really not a drastic difference. So really, it's not that Gabe Davis has drastically changed his performance on the football field. It's that our eye tests and our expectations are not being met. In you, in car sales, you always say undersell, over-deliver. Well, because whenever you oversell and you under-deliver, it's a disappointing experience. With Gabe Davis, it's a little bit of fans have set their expectation too high. So when he didn't match it, we're all Mm -hmm. freaking out. 
But really, realistically, we shouldn't be freaking out. He needs to improve. Now, Isaiah McKenzie is where the true issue is with uh, his production. You lost Cole Beasley, who was one of the best slot receivers in the league, and you just didn't replace that. Could could Cole Beasley have a role in the playoffs? I absolutely think he can do something, but will it be replacing McKenzie? I doubt that. Yeah, for sure. Um, really appreciate the topic, Silas. It's a really good one um, in terms of like what we all think in this scenario. And I think it all does – to whittle it all down, it does come down to to expectations. And I think we did, myself included, have high expectations of like a waddle. Uh, T. Higgins would be a good one. Uh, where we were thinking that that's what he could be to Diggs, Chase, you know, Chase and Diggs, you know, Hill, Diggs. You know, we thought that, you know, Davis could be on the, on the form of a Waddle um, or, a, or a T. Higgins. So I think that's on us, and he really is more of a 2B. Like, I think that that's fair to say. I don't want to knock him down to a fourth receiver in this league. I do think it's fair to say he's a 2B. He's not a 2A. He's not a, a, a 1B. Um, he's going to be probably a pretty expensive two and re-signing him at 10 to 15 million. That's another discussion uh, for a different day. Uh, probably on an off season show we'll do this year, but uh, Kevin, right the now, thing, the easiest thing, like we said, all off season add another that? quality wide receiver. What well, did we say during the draft last year? You and I were team wide receiver. We liked the guys in the first round. We liked the guys in the second round and what were people, I mean, I don't want to say everybody, but there was a lot of people that came at us and were saying all offseason, why are you guys so heavy on getting another receiver? And my answer was, you lost Cole Beasley. You lost Emmanuel Sanders. This is an offense that is pass, pass, pass heavy. You need people to replace that production. Yeah. And you're not going to get that. And obviously, Jamison Crowder going, getting hurt early in the year makes an impact. We were too, fans were too high on Isaiah McKenzie. And they didn't realize we really needed to attack that position a little bit more aggressively than we did. Obviously, you have to choose your your needs. We needed a corner as well. But in the end, I, it probably would have helped this team to have uh, another quality wide receiver entering the season. Because you look at the situation. I, I know people are going to say, well, what about Isaiah Hodgins? The Bills didn't know that Isaiah Hodgins – was going to do what he's doing in New York right they now. They weren't going to give him no receiver he, one targets either. He wasn't going to get an opportunity unless there was plenty of injuries. He didn't even make the team out of camp. Yeah. If they would have drafted someone in the first or second round, we would have they they would probably have a quality number 3 right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, DJ Hogan, appreciate you tuning in. Um, Kevin's secret players, which is KSP, I'm assuming for this matchup with Miami, which we'll get in with Justin Hire here in a moment. Um I might, I might, I might kind of, kind of fiddle with it a little bit, but I think James Cook is Kevin's secret player. It's tough to say he's a secret anymore, but I think he's pivotal in this matchup with Miami this weekend, as we'll get into just momentarily. Um, and really, we're going to have Justin on here in a moment. So we're going to talk some more Miami. We've talked a little bit about the offseason here, and we'll get into, um, we'll get into that soon. And Whittle's back at it. Uh, Cincinnati fans have been extra scummy on Twitter, so who cares if they get screwed with Davis? It's the drops on deep pitches and routes. Yeah, no, I mean, they have been bad. Um, it was all, I will say, I'll put this out there, it was all, you know, thoughts for DeMar, we're all with you, to being awfully mad real quickly when the rulings came down from from Roger Goodell. So I will agree with that. I do completely agree that they uh, changed their tune in a couple of days. That was, was, was tough to see. The situation was good for not us. Not them, 
Kansas City maybe benefited a little bit, but they're even going to complain about the neutral field. Even Baltimore had a right to complain. They lost, so they don't anymore. But uh, really, the situation wasn't good for anybody in the league. It just wasn't good around the league. And I think you saw some some of that ramifications this 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 weekend with some of the teams that were out of it. Uh, besides Detroit, who played an awesome football game, um, everybody else did not seem to be in it. Look at the Raiders; did not seem to be in it um, for uh, if they didn't have anything to play for. So that's kind of what what I took away with it. And yeah, it's the deep hitches. He he does. I mean, there is those those are the routes he's running though. That's the problem where we're putting in these deep hitches, deep flies, um, deep posts. Really good post route runner in, in Gabriel Davis, and that's the situations to where we'd like to see the rates go up. Um, you know, he's on the bottom of the league in catch to target ratio, uh, but we are putting him in deep positions. We're putting him in, uh, you know, 17 plus yards per catch, uh, always toward the top of the league. So we're putting him in situations where is there some credence to getting him in this short zone, zero to nine yards to get him going a little bit um, The Bills haven't felt that has been necessary with Gabriel Davis. And that's why you're going to get some of these lapses. If he's, if he was in 10 catch range, he makes the plays that Diggs does early in the game. Maybe his mental concentration's there on that deep hatch. And, uh, and, but right now he's going to drop a few of those. And, and it's important to point out when he was wide receiver four or wide receiver three, depending on who was in and out of the lineup the last couple of years, Brian Dable was drawing up plays where sometimes he was just wide open. No one, Buckeye Imagination Museum is the destination for whole family fun. Bring all of your kids for imaginative and competitive play. From toddlers to teens, there's something for everyone. Little ones can shop, bank, and go out to eat. And your older ones will enjoy the racing laser tunnel, arcade games, six-person air hockey table, mini golf, and so much more. Grab something from the snack bar and stay all day. Plan your visit to Buckeye Imagination Museum today at BuckeyeImaginationMuseum.org. Halfway between Cleveland and Columbus in downtown Mansfield. There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row even close to him on some of the touchdown passes uh, that he caught. So it's one of those things where, yes, he he didn't step up to be the high-end number two receiver that Bills fans were hoping for, but there's a lot of fans across the league that would love to have a guy like Gabe Davis as their Mm -hmm. number two wide receiver. And was it a learning curve this year, moving up to that role? Absolutely. Uh, It's it's a challenge when you're going up against number two corners. It's not the same as when – you're the overlooked guy on the Bills offense uh, when everybody's looking at Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, and then you can just run your route and sometimes just be completely wide open based on a scheme or other things like that. So it is one of those things where I, I am confident that he will get better. And if the Bills can get some more help at wide receiver, I think that'll set him up uh, in the future. I'm not going to give up on him. That's for sure. And one thing I do want to mention, too, because I did see some people talking about the draft. I completely um, was on board with the Bills drafting a corner in the first round. So I understand why they went that direction. I think what my point was earlier with Kev was that 
we didn't think that wide receiver needed to be off the board. There, there was a lot of other ways that they could have rearranged it in the second round um, in other rounds. Obviously, they got uh, Khalil Shakira, who we're both high on. And going forward, I think he's going to have a big role on this Bills offense. But for this season alone, definitely hurt not having Crowder. Definitely hurt not having uh, a security blanket slot guy. We, we've talked about Cole. What made Cole Beasley, What makes Cole Beasley so special is he can process opposing defenses like a quarterback. He sees – he's reading two corners at a time. He knows what leverage that they're playing, and he knows where to find the soft spot and where to settle. And that's how he can do it despite not being the most athletic player in the field. He's reading a defense the same way as Josh Allen. When you have a slot guy that can get open every time, it helps you move the ball consistently. The Bills just didn't have that this year. And when the Bills do hopefully get better at that next year, you're going to see some more things open up, and I think you'll see Gabe Davis uh, step his game up to a higher level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that the receiver two position is number one on the list. I know we, I've seen stuff about O-line, um, you know, other position units, safety maybe. Receiver two is the most expensive position in free agency. The Bills are going to address it. They're going to feel really good going in with Shakir, uh, which a lot of people like Shakir should be starting. I think he earns that slot job in the offseason, in my opinion. He had a great route in the back of the end zone. Josh just threw it a half a second too late. Uh, and and Shakir put his arms out of this out like a split second too early where um, they were able to knock it away with a great defensive play. Still almost got there. Um, and also had that nice two-pointer a couple, year, uh, couple weeks ago um, and did uh, have a nice catch last week as well. So there's a lot to like about Shakir. I know he's only going to end up around 200 yards, but there was a lot to like about him in the future. Mix him with Gabe, Gabe Davis and as well as a new receiver too. And I think we're feeling pretty good going into next year. So that's kind of like my summary of, of, uh, of what we're going to be looking for in this off season. So Mike, as we kind of, yeah, Woolen was a lot of people like Woolen. I liked him too. Um, I was pretty much for, we talk about all the time about, more weapons for Josh. That was where I stood. Um, thanks again, Whittle. Whittle uh, adds to the conversation. All these uh, alignments to the off-seasons, our ailments to the off-season mm-hmm. seem to stem from how Dorsey is using the personnel, Davis, Hodge, and Shakir Cook. Um, Eric Turner at Cover One um, much discussed this topic, which how he's using his personnel and is he creative enough in certain situations. I think he's getting better. Um, he's had a good run here to end the year. The Bills finish in number two DVOA offense. Um, and he's interviewing for head coaching jobs in Carolina uh, as we speak. But uh, he did. It did stem from – they are not looking for Davis to do intermediate stuff in the second level of the defense. They're running a pretty much a short game and a long game right now. The intermediate area is not where um, Dorsey has been targeting a lot of, especially with Davis. So that's what's been interesting that that is not where he, he, he made his living as a rookie, those toe taps on the sideline against Indy in the wild card round uh, three years ago now. Um, so those kind of situations or two years ago now in that game, those those situations are ones that he hasn't been utilizing as much. Uh, that's just not where he seems. So, yeah, I think there is some personnel figuring out and that would be the benefit to being able to retain Dorsey next year, which um we probably saw a lot of this in in in, in, in uh, some of Dable's first years, but guess what? Some of Dable's first years, the team wasn't as good, um, so we don't remember some of those those issues that Dable had early on in his coaching career, especially as he started to tick in 2020 and 2021. So I think that Dorsey's going to be given that opportunity as well. 
Um, so going to have Justin on here in any moment. We really appreciate everybody tuning in for the off season. We have a lot to talk about in the off season, we promise, but there's a game this weekend against Tua potentially against the Dolphins. Will we see Raheem Mostert? Will we see their starting offensive line? They're missing a couple tackles. Uh, what is going to happen? Justin will be on here in a moment to talk about this game, Mike. Um, and it's still an exciting game. Miami backdoored their way in um, and did enough at nine and eight to, to win over Pittsburgh with their head to head to make it in a lot of arguments. Should there be seven seeds? Should there be six? Should there be eight? There's been a lot of arguments that I've seen this week about that. Um, but we are more than welcome to uh, welcome on Justin Heyer. Uh, Justin, you know, followed his work for a little while now, so we're pretty excited to have him on here. And uh, he is the writing and editor for Pro Football Network. Uh, Justin, how you doing today? What's going on, guys? Thanks for uh, having me on. You're making the last uh, last half hour or so of, uh, of a 12 hour road trip I got going here. Very exciting. So I yeah, where, where where you headed? Where you going? And where you headed? I'm, I'm from South Florida. My fiance is driving. Our families are from South Florida. So we were there for the holidays. We're driving back home to, to North Carolina now. Uh, how long of it? 14 hours? Yeah, just on just going to be like just Oof. under 12 and a half. Yeah, that is just too far for me, friend. So happy um, to be doing this. Yeah, great. I'm glad to, to kill some time. Um, so, you know, the question of the day, and, you know, I'm sorry to start with it, but we got to get into it um, as we got to hit the ground running. Um, Justin, I'm sure you followed the Dolphins for a long time, as you as you mentioned, being a South Florida resident and since moved. But what is the feeling right now in Miami specifically around the injuries? Like, do you expect to see Tua? Like, I've seen so much stuff from absolutely not to maybe to it's just too much to digest. Where, where do you stand as you fence through everything going on? Yeah, I think the general feeling in South Florida right now is just a, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of nervousness, because it, it wherever you fall on what you're expecting, predicting with regards to Tua's availability makes sense because there is certainly a feeling of, well, he's had two concussions already this season. One of them was very, very scary. The other, the reports around how it came about was very, very scary. And so to put someone back out on the field after incidents like that, uh, it's very easy to say, listen, you just shouldn't be out there. And player safety is always most important. That is heightened in the league at the moment, of course, because of everything that happened with DeMar Hamlin. And so to say he shouldn't be out there makes a lot of sense. At the same time, players have played after two concussions before. So I'm sure some fans are saying Kenny Pickett had two concussions. He's back out there. So there's just a lot of, uncertainty a lot of items to weigh when you're going through that so me personally i'm thinking the doctors are there for a reason the medical staff is there for a reason and as a fan as an analyst as someone who hopes everything is okay with regards to his health my feeling is let the doctors do their job the medical personnel do their job and we'll see what happens yeah tomorrow's a pretty big day with that so so i've heard with with what stage I, I heard he's only in stage two some of our doctors who have had a step step to mention based on his, his sweating and how he's been working out that he doesn't feel like he's beyond stage two which you need 48 hours to progress from three to four which is football activities um so the timeline will will probably work itself out even if there's not a ton of news um we'll probably know a lot uh tomorrow as well with that but 
Also yeah. on the injury front, a couple tack couple tackles, pretty much your, your entire tackle unit has been out. Um, what's your expectation now now protecting this potential player and or a different quarterback? What is that looking like on a less concussion note? Offensive line, it's it's just been ravaged by injuries uh, this season. Last game in particular, Teron Armstead was out. He's nursing. I've, I've never even seen this on an injury report before. There's four <laughs> different injury designations with Teron Armstead. There's toe, there's pec, there's knee, there's hip. So whether or not he's out there is very much in question for this week. He missed the last two games. Uh, Brandon Shell, who'd been filling in reasonably well at right tackle with Austin Jackson, on injured reserve, Brandon Shell got hurt last game. It's a high ankle sprain. It's also, there's another lower leg injury in there. He's very unlikely, it sounds like, to play. Uh, you also have Liam Eikenberg, who finally came back from injury at left guard. He was in and out of the lineup with a uh, with an arm injury, I believe, last week. So you're down to likely your third string uh, right tackle. Behind Toronto Armstead at left tackle, Kendall Lamb got hurt. So you might be down to your third string left tackle possible as they did last week they move uh, Robert Hunt out to right tackle which means you're going to be down a player uh, at guard as well so uh, there's a lot up in the air right now Toronto Armstead seems to be 50-50 at best if he doesn't play it'll probably be Greg Little at left tackle so it's very likely that no matter who's under center there's going to be a makeshift offensive line with at best at best three uh, three full-time starters out there uh, and several of them may be playing, uh, you know, half half healthy. So, uh, if especially with regards to uh, if Tua plays, having a third string right tackle out there at his blind side, very dangerous as well. So, um, I, Dolphins fans are certainly looking to the offensive line as a massive question mark heading into this playoff game. How imperative is it for the Dolphins to have Tua play in order to have a chance in this game? If Teddy's the guy, do they have a chance? And if Tua is back there, say he can't practice tomorrow and it's a situation where he's not cleared till later in the week on Friday, would you even feel comfortable at that point, him being on the field, knowing that he's been out the last couple of weeks in very limited practice behind a line that is obviously going through a lot of their own issues right now? Yeah, with regards to practice time, which is actually something Mike McDaniel seems to have been prioritizing this season when he's been deciding who's the backup, often it's who's healthy enough to practice. But two is your starter. So with in, when it comes to did he have enough practice time, I don't think that's necessarily something that's uh, a major concern. If, if, you, if he can play, if he's deemed healthy to play, then he'll be out there regardless, I believe, of, um, of how much he practices. When it comes to... Teddy Bridgewater and then seventh round rookie Skylar Thompson, it could come down to a little bit more of practice time. Teddy Bridgewater is nursing a hand injury. I believe it's to his pinky. And so if he's not able to practice at all, Mike McDaniel may be more inclined to play Skylar Thompson, given the fact that he'll have had the week of practice. But, and we'll see tomorrow when the injury report comes out, McDaniel alluded to Thompson also having come out of that game against the Jets, a little bit gimpy, banged up. He was hit hard several times behind that makeshift offensive line. So, Who's available? I mean, they signed Mike Glennon off the couch to be fourth string. I don't think it's going to come to that, uh, but we'll see. And with regards to your question about, you know, chances of winning without Tua, you got to think it's 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 not great. It's not great. They struggled mightily to put up any offensive production against the Jets. And any other time there's been a backup quarterback in this year, the offense has struggled 
a lot. If two is in there, I mean, we saw these two Bills games differential, of, I believe, one point uh, when it comes to combining those two scores with the Dolphins and Bills games. So if two is out there, I think, you know, the, the confidence is, is going to be very high around this team. With Adam, it's hard to believe Skylar Thompson is going to be able to keep up with Josh Allen. And it and it's been such a roller coaster year for for the Dolphins from the hot start. Obviously, Tua goes down in Cincinnati, losing streak ensues, comes back. You guys get back on a roll uh, in the division race. Where are fans at down there right now? Are they because there's been years where Bills fans would when 2017 they end the drought. Bills fans are just happy to make the playoffs. They didn't care. They won or lost. They were just happy to be there. After how this has gone this year, are Dolphins fans just relieved that they made the playoffs, or are they hoping that if Tua is able to play, that they conceivably could win a game or two and make a surprise run? I, I think going certainly going into the Jets game, the feeling was frustration and, and disappointment because you're eight and three, and you're at the top of power rankings all around the internet you're at the top of most you know contenders lists for potentially even the super bowl and then you 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 lose five straight i think a lot of Dolphins fans were, were frustrated now coming into this game in, into the playoffs for the first time in in, uh, in over five years now you know i think a lot of dolphins fans are certainly excited to be in the playoffs i you know as as having grown up in south florida having been a dolphins fan all my life excited to be in the playoffs because there hasn't been a whole lot of that but there's also it's also just sort of mixed around with this, you know, is Tua okay? Is he going to be okay to continue playing football this year, even next year? If he's not, obviously that that puts the chances of being competitive in this game uh, pretty darn low. But it, like you alluded to, it's sort of the manner in which it happened, being eight and three and then losing five straight. That just I think is leaving Dolphins fans with sort of mixed mixed bag of emotions yeah excited playoffs not something dolphins fans are used to but at the same time this cloud i think is the best way to describe it hanging over the entire situation with regards to his health and which regards with regards to the five game skid that the team was on before that ugly jets win uh ugly win over the jets rather uh, last week yeah and we just heard a couple hours ago from Tom Palacero, who said, you know, this morning on the Dan Patrick show, speaking about Tua's status for the wild card game, I'd be surprised if we see Tua. Is that your sentiment when you're, you know, you know, obviously none of us have, even Mike McDaniel says he doesn't have, you know, the medicals, he doesn't want to put pressure. Um, is that where you stand? Like, where do you stand on your personal, like, thoughts on what happens? Yeah, having, you know, uh, obviously not the medicals in front of me and uh, no background in medicine, just purely uh, my own, I guess, speculation at this point, I would also be surprised um, given the way the, given the way the second concussion came about them finding out yeah, later, given the, yeah, it's scary to hear that a player couldn't remember things that happened in the game before. I, I don't want to say it would be responsible, but irresponsible again, because I'm not, a doctor i don't have the medical background to say that but at the same time you, you got to be nervous for uh for tua and for his health and so my guess is that they're going to play it safe with him if doctors clear him i'm sure given what we know about tua and how much he's pushed through other injuries in the past i'm sure he would push to play um but my if i were to 
you know, put a, a guess out there right now, I'm going to say no, again, solely based on, uh, you know, intuition, yeah. uh, no medical background whatsoever. My guess is it'll be Teddy Bridgewater or Skylar Thompson that are out there. Um, but again, we'll leave that up to the medical professionals and, and see what they say. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I really think that based on the line and what Vegas thinks they know, it's looking like Teddy. I think they probably feel pretty comfortable, comfortable with yeah. they'd be able to go Teddy over Skylar. Um, Although the but, line did I mean, move, apparently a point, a I saw point that. closer to that. So we'll, we'll yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So I think that that's to me, even more gearing in toward the potential of Teddy Bridgewater playing, which a lot of people say would be about 10 with Bridgewater. So um, we'll see over the next, we'll know some clarity. And then the 24 hours, you don't want to spend, I guess the whole time, because none of us know uh, we don't have the medicals in front of us. And the one last player though, you know, hate to talk about injuries for 20 minutes, but Mostert, uh, a guy that played really well in Buffalo, a guy that seemingly adjusted to the game plan very well when the, uh, the bills dropped into shell stayed in nickel, et cetera. Um, broken dumb, um, seemed pretty serious. I, I McDaniel called it serious himself. Um, is that a big loss? Do you find, feel fine with Jeff Wilson? Where do you stand personally on that final injury news? That's absolutely a big loss for the dolphins. Sounds very unlikely that he's going to play. We'll know more obviously as the week goes on, but he is the engine of the running game. Jeff Wilson has had one or two big games this year, but Raheem Mostert has been by far the most productive, the most efficient runner on the team, performed well, like you said, against the Buffalo Bills. And so him not being on the team, uh, my apologies for the for – the, um, the, No, the I get it, man. Um, no, it's real. It's real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he is definitely a big loss for this offense, especially if you don't have two, because then you're essentially counting on the running game to grind out the clock to try to keep the game, the time of possession, as close as possible. And Jeff Wilson, again, familiarity with, with Mike McDaniel, with his scheme, will be, able to, uh, will be able to replicate some of that production. But you're essentially counting on him and Sylvan Ahmed at that point to move the offense. Um, and because, you know, we're talking about injuries, it's not even just – it's not even just the quarterback offensive line and running backs that are hurt on the offense. Tyreek Hill was in out of the game last week with a lower body injury. Jalen Waddell was in that out of the game last week with what appeared to be a lower body injury. We'll find more about their status this week, but you're kind of counting on the running game to keep this thing close. If you have your backup quarterbacks in. Why? And you just talked a little bit about how the Dolphins wide receivers are a little knocked up right now. And obviously issues throughout why haven't they had more success with Teddy Bridgewater out there? Obviously, Skylar Thompson is a third-string quarterback, not a ton of experience. But I, I'm a little surprised that when you have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and um, a coach coming in known for his his running schemes, that it has been a little bit of a struggle without Tua out there. I, I know Bridgewater is a backup, Tua is a starter, but I, I would have thought that there wouldn't have been as considerable a drop-off. It's a great question, and it's honestly one of the my my answer to that is one of the few gripes I have with how Mike McDaniel's handled the situation so far with Tua out is that the offense has looked as though it's been run relatively similarly with regards to the passing game in particular. So there's still been a lot of deep shots, a lot of emphasis on those deep crossers, not as much of the quick rhythm game, which is often what teams turn to when you have backup quarterbacks in. And as much as Tua has progressed this year, especially Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson are not the downfield throwers that Tua has shown capable of being this past season. And so, and you guys alluded to this earlier on the show, 
Gabe Davis, I think you said, was number one with regards to um, uh, downfield contested shots and Jalen Waddle number Jaylen two. Yeah. When, you're doing, when you're doing that with your third-string quarterback, you're going to yeah. have a very tough time moving the chains as opposed to what they did last year uh, with Waddle, which was too much so at the time, and, and certainly some balance was needed. But some of those quick hitters letting Jalen Waddle do what he does after the catch, this, he's one of the best after-catch receivers in the NFL. So I think not enough adjustment in that regard has been part of the reason that the offense has seen such a downturn in production. And I also think it shows somewhat of, of how much Tua progressed this year, how much he matters to this offense, how much he matters to the team and to the passing game, that there was such a drastic drop-off with Teddy and with Skyler. And, and then the last thing I'll say on that is the Dolphins, the Dolphins, I think this Jets game in week 17 was the first game they got through an entire game with the backup quarterback in and not getting injured. <laughs> yeah. Every single other That's time, great. the backup has also gotten hurt. So that 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 causes some disruption in the passing game as well. Yeah. And the, the next thing I want to get to, it's not so much a, a question, more so a commentary from an outsider view on the, the Miami Dolphins. During the offseason, when you guys traded for Tyreek Hill, I'll be honest, I was one of the few people – up here in Buffalo that was very high on the Dolphins. I didn't think you guys would win the division, but I thought it was certainly possible for Miami to win anywhere from nine to 11 games and have a top, top five to 10 offense. And, and a lot of people laughed at me. They, they, they made jokes about two and not being able to throw the long ball. How are you going to be able to utilize Tyree kill uh, in, in a way I feel like some of those people feel that they were proving correct based on the fact that Miami ended up nine and eight. And I just don't feel like that's the case. I, I feel like Miami's had one of those odd seasons where if two is healthy, they could be looking at a 10, 11 uh, type win team. And a lot of this has been unfortunate because of the injuries to the offensive line, the injuries to Tua, the games that he's started and finished, he's been spe spectacular and he's had a great season. Um, do, do you feel like the Miami Dolphins are when two is playing are getting any getting that respect that maybe was lacking uh, early in the year and also it, it feels just so odd to me because a month ago we're talking about this game having importance and the Bills squeaking out a last second field goal and now we're talking about a nine and a half point line it just feels something's it just feels off like this game should be a closer contest, uh, a tougher matchup, but it really doesn't look like it's going to play out that way because of because of the injuries and everything that Miami's dealing with. Absolutely. It's frustrating, especially after seeing the two Dolphins games that we had. This could have been the matchup of the week. It had the two have been going into this game healthy. And, you know, I think regards to proven right or wrong of the that kill trade was kind of bad. I believe his most productive season in the NFL right after his most productive season. But even, uh, even with the injuries, still the NFL in several passing categories, the offense still extremely productive. There was the down game against San Francisco. There was a down game against the Chargers. It was not perfect this by any stretch. The Dolphins' offense was not perfect here by any stretch. But it's massive leaps forward. And I think it lived up to a lot of expectations in South Florida. A lot of the hype around the NFL and had the injuries not happen. You hate to play the fifth game, but injuries not happen this season. 
Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster, in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil and Body Butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the best seller's body care set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. Looks like we dropped Justin there, so we'll see if we can get him back on here momentarily. Um, But really great stuff going on. Um, in his decision on, on what he feels will happen with Tua uh, this 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 weekend, as well as his season to date. So a really yeah, good perspective. It's a tough yeah. spot. Yeah. What, I don't... It's a tough spot, Mike, between how you would look around the league um, with the decision after two quick concussions, maybe even more. With a makeshift offensive line, missing your running back one with some banged up receivers – how does this look internally to Miami? Do they plan to to make the decision that's right for the health? Some will they let him push even if he's semi cleared? There's still a lot of hurdles to cover here in five days. And I don't so blame Miami for all of this either. Uh, no. the, the situation I blame Miami is how they handled the first perceived concussion that was considered a back spasm at that point in time. That's the one that I'm critical of because it looks like they tried to brushed that one underneath the rug. The second one, they took it seriously. The third one, alleged third one, they took seriously. The issue now is you obviously want to do what's right by Tua. And it looks like Miami is doing that. But even if they are doing that, if he comes back this week, there's going to be the the mumble, the mumbling where uh, they rushed him back just for the playoffs. If he doesn't play – you're at a severe disadvantage, but at least you know that you did right by your quarterback. It's I don't envy the Miami Dolphins right now because I think they look at their team and they feel that when healthy, they can go toe-to-toe with the Bills. That's my feeling of what I think Miami would be believing. The Bills are the better team. The Bills would be favored in this game either way, and I would pick the Bills to win this game either way. But Miami, DVOA, I believe they're eighth in the league. You could have a lot easier first-round matchups than the Miami Dolphins. And the the truth of it is the reason why 
their your first round matchup is because they've been playing with a backup quarterback for a third of their season. And until last week, they weren't winning those games with Bridgewater and Thompson. They've been, for the most part, winning with Tua up until uh, his most recent concussion where they were on a little bit of a skid, uh, obviously playing higher level competition. But it, it's tough for Miami because – I don't know. I don't really think they have a chance without him. And to rush him back behind that offensive line right now with your weapons hobbled, that's a tough spot. And he's one head away from a career-ending injury. And you also think of the long-term ramifications, not in this game, but if you're Miami in a year or two, could you even give Tua a long-term extension knowing the issues that he's dealt with? It's a tough situation for Miami going forward. We're happy to have Justin back in audio mode. Um, Sorry about that, guys. No, no worries, man. Totally good. Um, So I think we had you on. uh, You were talking at the time about. um, I'll let you pick it back up from from where you were at. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're talking about the expectations going into the season and and how the Dolphins measured up. And I, 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 uh, I believe that. With regards to the steps forward that Tua took, the production that the uh, that the wide receiver do and Hill and Waddle still put out there, the expectations and the hype mostly were lived up to, and, and injuries derailed a lot of that. And you know you can't play the what if game in the NFL because every team has injuries and every team could play a what if game to some degree. Uh, but I think that showed that there's a lot of excitement to be had, a lot of hope to be had for the future should uh, should health should health um, should health stay with regards to Tua. And uh, I think that going into this playoff game, obviously expectations need to be measured uh, in terms of how the offense is going to produce with potentially your second or third string quarterback. But with regards to the season as a whole, as a whole I think Dolphins fans uh, have a lot to be happy with, mm-hmm. uh, have a lot to be excited about going forward, uh, and just need to cross their fingers that uh, everyone's able to stay healthy. Yeah, it's fair. Um, and I mean, I think Mike and I were just talking about the expectations around if Tua was healthy, the, the rest of the offensive line, running back room, even receiver room was fully healthy. It's not anyone's favorite matchup. We were saying, you know, in the early portion of the year, how great would it be Miami, Kansas City? Miami knocks off Kansas City. Um, you know, that would be great. We think that could be a high, powerful profile matchup. Um, and, and, and even as recently as last week when we weren't sure, you know, how the Dolphins team offense specifically would look, uh, there was still much talk about, like, still don't really want to face them. They've beaten us earlier. Um, they have the power to be pretty good. Um, let's face someone like Pittsburgh with a rookie quarterback. And, um, you know, the Bills are looking for the easiest path to the Super Bowl. It's not they don't think they can beat the Dolphins. It's not they don't think they can beat the Bengals. Uh, the, at this stage, the Bills, like you mentioned, has, have fought their fair share of adversity with, uh, you know, potentially almost losing a player on the field to their star defensive end, to their star safety. Um, you know, Josh Allen's UCL. So they've faced their fair share of adversity as well in the injury refront uh, pretty much all season long, you know, losing their potential slot receiver. Um, you know, so there's been some some things that they would like to have back too on the injury front. But even still, I still don't think the Bills fans, I mean, I think even as of last week, I put up a poll and it did, did get up like a couple thousand votes. And, the, you know, Bills heavily preferred even the Steelers over even the Patriots who didn't look good themselves, but still that potential of Bill Belichick. And then in this case, the potential of Miami so often specifically to be that next level. So I think that's, that's respect, Justin, to say that I think Bill's fans, Bill's people are saying 
they have the potential to be, will it be this week? Maybe not. Um, but they have the potential to be a threat uh, probably as soon as week one next year again. Yeah, I mean, Lord knows the AFC East is a lot more fun when you got that Dolphins and Bills rivalry at full steam. So here's yeah. to hoping that, you know, health providing the Dolphins and Tua specifically are able to go into next year fully loaded and ready to yeah. truly contend with the Bills for a division title. That's very true. Um I guess we'll get your opinion on what do you expect to see this weekend? You know, I know we didn't talk a lot about the defense. There's too many injuries and offense to talk about on the offensive side, but um, do you expect the bill are the Dolphins defense to be able to keep up? Do you think that they'll fall short against Allen offensive side? And what do you expect to see in general this weekend? I'm not the Dolphins defense in particular the offense has a lot of injuries, but the defense in particular still has a lot of things to be concerned about. You're missing a starting safety. You're missing several starting corners and the defense has not looked great against most opponents this year, save for last week against Joe Flacco and the jets. And I'm not sure how much of an accomplishment that is in reality. So I would be surprised if the Buffalo offense doesn't put up quite a few points even Xavier Howard, who's been the stalwart of Miami's defense for the past several years, has looked rough, to put it nicely, at, at most times this year. Undrafted rookie Kater Kohu has been a very pleasant surprise, but I would still expect Stefan Diggs and, uh, and Gabe Davis, who I know you guys were talking about earlier today as well, to have a pretty big game against Miami. Miami's run defense has been pretty stout, though, this year. And so I don't think we're going to see a lot of Devin Singletary, a lot of James Cook running around on the ground. I think Josh Allen's going to be mostly looking to win this game through the air, as the Bills' offense is built to do anyway. So it's going to be a tough challenge for Miami's offense to keep up, no matter who's under center, no matter who's at quarterback. And so I would say that Miami really needs, if they want to keep this game close, to control the time of possession, obviously avoid and limit turnovers, avoid and limit penalties. But you want to ground and pound as much as you possibly can with whoever's at running back this week. Looks like it's likely going to be Jeff Wilson to control the time of possession and to keep this game as close as possible by keeping it out of Josh Allen's hands. Miami was super aggressive against the Bills in their first matchup this year, the one in which the Dolphins won. Do you think they'll try to implement that once again this weekend? Try to go all out, try to pressure uh, Allen, get to him, try to get, hope hopefully get them rattled or uh, do you think that that'll scare them with how their, their past defense has struggled in uh, recent, recent weeks going forward? Man, it's like, there's almost really no winning when you're going up against Josh and you choose the blitz he's going to get out of the pocket and make an off schedule play and, and beat you deep. You don't blitz him. He gets too much time in the pocket and he's going to pick you apart. So, this defense has is built scheme-wise to be aggressive, to be blitz-heavy. There's not really any secondary personnel to do that right now. And frankly, the defensive line and the pass rushers haven't gotten enough pressure to justify uh, blitzing every play because there's still too much time, uh, when, despite the fact that you're, you're putting extra personnel there. So I think they're probably going to learn as much as they can from the last two matchups and limit that a little bit because as we've seen time and time again, Josh Allen will get out of the pocket and will hit someone deep. We'll make an off schedule play or frankly, he'll, he'll wiggle out of pressure and, and, and run it for, for 25, 30 yards. So uh, I, I think it'll be a little bit more tempered with regards to the, to the defensive aggression. Makes sense. Now 
we really appreciate you coming on um, the show to give your Dolphins perspective as uh, it's, that's helpful for us to hear like a different side of the coin. Um, I know seasons could have gone drastically different in Miami, but it is what it is. They're here. Um, it's going to be maybe 30 degrees out. So you're going to have that similar temperature to how it was before the snow came last time. So uh, before the fourth quarter, so one to three, which, you know, by all, by all purposes, uh, the Dolphins were very much in that game playing well, playing good football at that stretch, obviously with a full complement of offensive uh, of players. But still, um, we're looking like the weather elements. It didn't totally rattle them until maybe the snow came. It did look a little uh, off, you know, helter-skelter at that point. Um, but anyways, what is your prediction of this weekend? I, I mean, if you need to give two, that's fine. Um, you know, that no, none of us know. So that's I think that's fair in this case. What are you thinking that actually kind of put it all together for us? Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll go ahead and take you up on that. I'll give you two. Um, I'll say that if, if two is able to play, I think this game is going to be uh, much closer. I would mm-hmm. still give it to Buffalo just based on the, uh, the frankly, the, the roster is, is healthier. It's a little bit more talented right now given the injuries that Miami has. And so I'll put that closer to a, a 30 to uh, 27 score in favor of Buffalo. If Miami uh, doesn't have Tua at their disposal, I would say that it's going to be uh, a, a two-score-plus game. I'll, 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 uh, I'll say that much for sure. So I, I think Buffalo will be able to score more points because there will be less time of possession on Miami's end, and Miami will certainly score fewer. So I'd put that closer to 34-21 in, uh, in favor okay. of Buffalo if it's either Teddy Bridgewater or Skylar Thompson under center. So use that use that for your uh, for all no, of your uh, for all your all your betting purposes. My uh, <laughs> my my speculative score prediction right there. Yeah, who do you see suit up? Just your own opinion. Who's the quarterback of the Dolphins come Sunday afternoon? It sounds like Teddy Bridgewater was close-ish okay. last week, given that he was healthy enough to be the emergency quarterback uh, during that game. So I would guess that it's Teddy Bridgewater under center. Skylar Thompson will certainly be. Uh, certainly be there if healthy to uh, to be the third guy if, if it seems like Teddy is not able to perform at full capacity at any point during the game. Uh, my guess is we'll have a lot more clarity on that by Friday. Mike McDaniel said he's going into this game with three game plans, depending Ooh. on who his quarterback is, is going to be. Uh, but my guess would be Teddy Bridgewater at, uh, at, the, at the QB1 and Skylar Thompson at the QB2. Do you think Teddy's better than Skylar, though, all things considered? Uh, frankly, uh, neither have performed up, okay. up to snuff so far. Um, I think Teddy Bridgewater gives you more with regards to that veteran presence and, and people throw that word around, but it does matter when you're trying to avoid mistakes when you're in a high pressure situation. So he does give them that Skylar Thompson did protect the ball well last week and, and, and did what he needed to do. I don't think it makes a huge difference either way. Uh, okay. To be totally honest with you. I wanted to ask that question. I had that jotted down. I, I was always curious your perspective on the backup quarterback role, because I haven't seen it's I've been off the wall, like like, I don't know who I would play if I was a Dolphins. Like, I've been back and forth. Like, yeah, I like Skyler maybe, but no, Teddy's definitely better. Like, so I, I, I wanted to make sure I asked that. So it was a good answer. I really appreciate that. Uh, Justin, where can we find you? What are you working on on the draft side? Tell us a little bit more about uh, one of my favorite draft uh, uh, websites out there. Tell me tell me a little bit about what you're working on. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm uh, at Pro Football Network, uh, writing and editing over there. And it's, it's, I joined them uh, – couple months ago teams absolutely fantastic there's a lot of stuff going on on the on the draft side both on pro football mm-hmm. network and on college football network which uh, which just launched as well so be sure to check both those at the team is doing awesome things on both those places so uh, definitely give uh, give that a, a check awesome and you write I, i've caught some of your articles you write about the whole nfl is that right like a lot of yes that's correct yep cool 
Well, thank you so much. We'll definitely get back in touch with you. It was really cool to have you on the third matchup uh, for the season. Wish, well, maybe I don't, but I wish uh, I was in better circumstances in terms of uh, having your full complement of receivers, or you will, but your full health of those receivers and running backs and, and quarterbacks, because I think it would really be better than a wild card game, though, in this, in my opinion. It wouldn't be a 2-7. I think this could be. Will we see a uh, AFC championship game sometime in the in the near future? I don't think it's far-fetched, right? Absolutely. No, I, I, I uh, wholeheartedly agree. I really appreciate you guys having me on. And I just want to say real quick as well, you know, uh, what the entire – what you guys have done, what the entire Buffalo community has done uh, following the DeMar Hamlin situation is just really awesome to see. Uh, you know, we, we talk about all the time football is family. We talk about all the time that – uh, there's also a lot that is bigger than the game and the way that you sure. guys and the Buffalo community as a whole is, has rallied around this player, this team uh, is is really incredible and uh, awesome to see. So appreciate that as well. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. I hope everything went well with the ride and uh, we'll be in touch. I'm, I'm assuming uh, maybe we'll catch up in the off season, do some draft stuff or we'll catch you. Uh, we'll catch you early next year. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate 100%. You Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Thank you so much. A lot of good stuff there from Justin on the, the Dolphins perspective uh, coming into this game. Uh, Mike, you know, we'll use a few five to 10 minute wrap up here to kind of get your opinion on everything he said. Um, you know, what do you, th- what do you take away from that? I want to ask you that. What do you take away from this could be different than a two seven game in the future, right? If it was a, a different year where the yeah. Dolphins were healthy and they had their guys. Absolutely. Uh, this Dolphins team is not a seven seed when they have their guys going. It, it, it's just simply put, the, the metrics say that they're a top 10 team in football. They're, they're not the 14th best team. And I know the, you are what your record is, but when they had a healthy Tua, this team was, was dominating the lower competition, and they were at least in the games against some of the better teams as well, uh, defeating Baltimore and Buffalo. So, it, we're 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 gonna see. I think the biggest question about will Miami be able to be consistently good in the future is: Are they going to be able to get a consistent health out of out of Tua? If if this is a thing that continues for the next couple of years, where he's dealing with concussion issues and other problems, we might never see Miami live up to their potential. And the other question will be: Are they going to bring in a better backup quarterback in the future to prepare for this? Uh, if this is to happen, but, uh, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's one of those where the way everything is setting up, it looks like the bills should be able to, to get the win, uh, which is fortunate for them, but kind of w- would suck if you're a Dolphins fan finally getting back and then seeing all of this happen. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I'll give them credit. I think you were, you're thinking that Bridgewater is a fairly high end backup, um, that hasn't played out that way. He's been hurt his entire career. Uh, At least I know that going into the year, I would have probably felt pretty decent behind my starter. If I knew that I could try to Bridgewater for a few weeks, I maybe even have liked that situation. Not anymore. Uh, I thought I I liked two. I thought I liked Bridgewater more than Tua going into the season. But That's been proven hundred percent incorrect. Tua was tremendous this year with his, his timing routes and intermediate throws. What really killed Miami was, later in the year when defenses started to adjusting and taking away those middle routes, uh, it made things a little bit more difficult. And we'll see how Tua does next mm-hmm. year when NFL defensive coordinators and coaches have an entire offseason to scheme against what he's done this year. And if they can take that away, does Tua have an answer to uh, to respond to that? But uh, that that's something for, for next year to look after. 
who do you, I asked Justin this, who do you think suits up quarterback uh, Sunday at one? I'm really 50-50 on this. I, I think going into the week, I just assumed Tua would somehow come back at some point. I, I didn't, obviously I had no inside information. I just was speculating how the Miami Dolphins have treated it so far that big game, there's such a drop off from him to Teddy and Skyler that they'll need him and that mm-hmm. suddenly the after a couple of weeks, those uh, symptoms might lessen. But at this point, the fact that he's still not cleared, we're going into Wednesday, he's really going to have to get clear in the next two days for me to even feel really confident in him, even if he were to play. If he's not practicing this week and gets cleared Friday night, Saturday, I, I still think it would be difficult for him to really go out there and be effective against the Bills' defense after being out for uh, two and a half weeks. So I, I, I'll i lean slight, slight lean to Teddy playing, but – We'll see. Yeah, and I think you asked the question, and I think normally uh, the answer Justin gave was good. He said, you know, he's a starter. He can prep to play, and I think that's the right answer. It's Josh Allen. You know, look at him in Minnesota. I mean, I don't think he took a snap. Um, I mean, I don't think he was even out there for pregame, Mike. Uh, he was getting treatment literally up until kickoff um, against the Vikings earlier this year. I think that that's true for Tua, too. However, the optics around the concussion itself after what we saw with DeMar – I just don't know how that'll go. I just don't know how with what we saw with what happened to tomorrow on the field uh, in front of millions and millions of people and what could possibly happen to these young men's lives. I just don't know the optics around him playing specifically this week without like weeks of practice, like doctor reports, like, is it the most competitive advantage thing that you should need in the world? No, in terms of like, they shouldn't need to do that. But I think in this optics of what happened in this scenario with two concussions, probably a third, the way the second went so closely to the first. Um, well, I don't even know what concussion, the, the most recent one, how it happened to, the, to the, the, the other one recently and the symptoms of not remembering things like Mike, that yeah, just how, does how it. do you play him at this point? Like in, don't you need I, a six minute break? I'm, I'm like, with you. Kevin. If he plays another game, the rest of the playoffs and something were to happen head related or concussion related, it would be an outpouring of criticism uh, against the Dolphins and Antua. And it's one of those where you sometimes have to protect the player from himself. And the, the tough part about all of this is Miami, it's perfectly possible that Miami has handled everything properly sure. since the first one. The, the first alleged concussion, we, we pretty much, most of us feel that they botched it. Now, the, the, the whole question is how much truth is in the optics versus how much truth is in the actual medical um, view of the doctors. So if the doctors clear him, we're supposed to trust the doctors. So if they say he's good to play in a high contact football game. We can't just assume, oh, they just wanted him back on the on the field. But that's where your mind immediately goes because we've seen him rush back into a game before. And we've seen him play through a second half twice where later on we found, found out there was issues. So it's, it's really tough because I get why Miami fans are frustrated with everybody else. Because what mm-hmm. they're essentially saying is, 
Well, the coaching staff and Tua just have to trust the doctors. And if the doctors failed them, that's on the doctors. And that's not on the coaching staff, not on the players. But I also understand why everybody else is like, well, how do the doctors miss what they saw? How do they let him go back out on Thursday night football? And then that happens. And the truth of it is there is a little bit of a luck element involved. Typically, when someone does have a concussion – they don't go back out in four days and get another one in national television and have what happened to Tua happen. So it's, I don't want to say it's similar to the DeMar Hamlin situation, but when a national audience is watching something and they see something that they haven't seen, there is uh, an element of, are you kidding me? Like, did that really just happen? Like the dolphins are evil. And I, I just don't think Miami is evil. I, I think they mishandled it the first time. But, it, Kev, as I said, like, this is going to impact Tua the rest of his career. Like, when – say Tua doesn't get a concussion the rest of the year or next year, and then he takes a hit week three of the 2025 season, are people going to be calling for him to not play again at that point? It's it, – this is going to follow him the, the rest of his career, regardless of if he gets – one or two more concussions, or if he never gets another one. Yeah, and for me, like I wanted to take a minute to, to kind of talk about the path, and it involves the Dolphins in this case. The Bills, look, they've had some bad luck. It's their year. I need to make it as easy as possible for the Bills to get to the next round, then to get to the next round, and then seemingly to play um, in the AFC Championship game, and then to the uh, Super Bowl against whomever it may be. Um, and each round of those, the teams get a little bit harder, but there's no reason you can't root for the least, you know, the, the best possible path with the least amount of resistance. And that might be a backup quarterback over to maybe you're rooting for a Jacksonville to upset LA and then maybe a Baltimore to upset uh, Cincinnati. Then you'd play Jacksonville and then hopefully, you know, things happen. And the next thing you know, you have an AFC championship game in Buffalo against Baltimore, something like that. I mean, it's not probable. Um, but I think the ability is you want whatever it takes for the bills to keep progressing. And, and, and Greg joked about um, having like an asterisk on him. He didn't care. Um, and that's the same sentiment of like, I mean, we don't pick who plays us and all you can do as fans, we don't play this game is to root for. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U S 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster in a comment, in a post, in a second, Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How the best odds to get me to the next round, to get me to the bowl, to get us talked about, to get us in the game with a chance to beat the 49ers or eagles or i guess even vikings or cowboys or something um to lesser degrees but in in those situations so 
Mike, I think with all that being said, it happens this weekend at home in front of our fans where Tua and the Dolphins have never won um, in under 40 degree temperature. Um, so you got that going for us. Since the Miami Dolphins have won in any game under 40 degrees, regardless of who, who the quarterback is. So is that true? I, I saw some something earlier today. I'd have to confirm it, but they, they yeah, I think I saw struggle. that too. I'll, yeah, I'll so say this: struggle. I agree with you, Kev. The Bills don't need to apologize for anybody for wanting an easier path because you know what? The truth is, the LA Rams had the easier path last year. They didn't. They didn't have to beat the Chiefs. They played the Bengals, who were the up and comers last year. The Bengals didn't have to worry about the Bills. Yes, they went to Kansas City, but they only had to play one of the two. Uh, powered teams in the in the AFC. If the Bills were going to get to the Super Bowl last year, they would have had to beat Kansas City and Cincinnati. So sometimes it's not a bad thing to ask for a little bit better, easier path because a lot of times champions aren't necessarily the best teams in the league. They're the teams that took advantage of their situations. And right now, when I look at it going forward, obviously the Bills had to get past Miami first. I'm hoping Baltimore takes down Cincinnati. Why? Because I'm looking at this one week at a time. Cincinnati coming to Buffalo is a difficult, difficult divisional game. I put it on the same level as playing Kansas City uh, in the second round. So even though it's home, that would definitely not be an easy game. You have Baltimore beat Cincy if they have Lamar. And then suddenly you're taking on Jacksonville or the Chargers in Buffalo. And I respect Trevor Lawrence. I respect Justin Herbert. Those are both great up-and-coming quarterbacks. I don't like their odds coming up to Buffalo in the end of January and taking down the Bills, going toe-to-toe with Josh Allen. I just don't. And maybe some of it is the same view I have with Miami, a cold, a warm-weather team coming up north and playing the Bills in the cold. But I, I really do think if Baltimore beats Cincy and the Bills beat Miami – the Bills will be in the AFC Championship in a neutral sec. Now, the only thing to me that really sucks about not getting that one seed is if you had the one seed, you knew you were going to avoid Cincinnati and Kansas City until the AFC Championship. And there's always that slight chance, what if they both get upset and you play some random team at home and you have a – Two wins to get to the would be Baltimore. Yeah, it's that, that, would, yeah, that, that would have been the dream. So if you're asking me, can Baltimore beat Cincinnati and, and then beat, uh, beat Cincinnati and then beat Kansas City back to back weeks? You know, I don't think it's impossible. I, I wouldn't put money on it. That's the only did. thing I was rooting for with the six seed going to LA. I thought that could be a possible situation if it was LA in this case. Obviously, Jacksonville's the four no matter what. Um, but th- it's with Harbaugh. It's anything's possible. That defense has been pretty good. I thought they played well with a third string quarterback at the end of that game, making it semi interesting and uh, putting some pressure on. I do want to um, say, if you want Kansas City eliminated, see, like this is like the tough thing when you're like you're looking at it. I'm taking it round by round, so that's why I want Baltimore to win. Yeah, I'm round by round. So, I'm round so by the round. Bills can play Jacksonville or LA, assuming that they beat um, the Miami Dolphins. But if you're someone that wants Kansas City gone. And you think the Bills can can take down Cincinnati at home? Then you're hoping for, then you're saying, okay, it's okay if Cincinnati wins. Chargers beat Jacksonville, and then LA take care of Kansas City. So then, if the Bills 
do beat Cincinnati. It's at home, yeah. It's a home AFC championship it's against LA. And then in the minds of most uh, Bills fans, you, you think you're going to the Super Bowl. Uh, you're hosting to go to the Super Bowl. So, well, I asked that yesterday, Mike. What's your so you would pick what path would you pick? Would you pick I the Dolphins? Choose, I choose Baltimore eliminating Cincinnati right off the bat because you know what? When it comes down to it, you can't assume that the Bills are going to make it to the AFC Championship. These are all very good teams. The Bills have seven wins in a row, they're playing great football, but in the playoffs, no games are guaranteed. So, I want the I want each round to be the easiest. So they mm-hmm. can keep advancing. And then if it is Kansas City head-to-head AFC Championship, we'll see how they can do on a neutral field where they're yeah, not Atlanta, at Georgia. home. Yeah, and the, the one thing, I, I really want to get this off my chest too. It is remarkable how negative Bills fans have gotten regarding this squad uh, overall. I, I keep seeing things on social media and I keep hearing people at, at my job and uh, just around town trying to talk about everything that is wrong with this Bills team. They they talk about how Gabe Davis is not a good enough wide receiver too. People are talking about how the pass rush isn't getting it done, how they're weak against the run at times, and how I, I do agree with this point. Josh Allen is a little too sloppy with the ball in the red zone. But DVOA says this is the best Bills team that we have seen. They are better than the 2020 team. They're better than the 2021 team. This defense gets a lot of crap. They finished in the top five in DVOA. This offense, which we all kind of think could be even better than what it is, was the number two in DVOA. And special teams with the two kickoff return touchdowns uh, on Sunday moved up to number one in DVOA. And if it wasn't for the 49ers just destroying the Cardinals, they would have had the top point differential in the league. They've handled so much adversity on and off the field this year. They have battled through. They have found a way to win 13 games. They're three losses by a combined eight points. I'm kind of honestly a little bit frustrated with the negativity surrounding Bills fans because you how would I think I think what the product of it is in previous years there wasn't always that Super Bowl expectation. In 2020, we were just happy to win the division and be in the AFC Championship. Last year, the team was struggling, 11-6, and and we felt like even with that said, we blew it against the Chiefs in the playoffs. This year, we lost Micah Hyde. We lost Von Miller, and I think people are feeling a little bit vulnerable because they don't want to get their expectations up. This team can easily win the Super Bowl, but what have you and I said all season long, even prior to the season? You could be the best team in the NFL, and when you enter the playoffs, you still might only have a 20 25% chance of winning it all. So if the Bills end up losing in the, the divisional round to Cincinnati, does that mean the Bills suck? No. If the Bills get to the AFC Championship, they, they lose to KC by 10. Do they suck? No. Even if they lose the Super Bowl against Philadelphia, no, they, they don't suck. During when you have a quarterback like Allen, you're hoping for the opportunity every year to have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And over the course of Allen's career, probably being in Buffalo for a decade plus, you're going to have multiple opportunities. The key is that one of these years we take advantage and we do win it all. I can't tell you if it's going to be this year. I don't know if it's going to be next year or if it's going to be five years from now. The key is 
make sure you at, win at least one during this window. But I just had to get it off my chest because the negativity okay. is getting me frustrated because a lot of people are telling me things like, oh, the Bills can't stop the run. Well, DVOA says the Bills are one of the top five teams stopping the run. People are saying the Bills can't stop the pass. DVOA says they're top ten against stopping the pass. People are telling me the Bills can't run the ball. Well, maybe the offensive line is below average, but the Bills carry for 5.2 yards per carry. And they have a running back, James Cook, that's near six yards per carry, who has some of the highest percentage of 15-plus yard runs in the league. So I don't know what's going to happen this postseason. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. I just want people to appreciate what they're seeing and not just be down on it because they're scared of them falling short. Good point by RJ to counter to you is the road to the Super Bowl this year feels impossible. I think it's because everything that's gone wrong this year, the injuries, bad luck. It has felt like it hasn't felt like our year waiting on the uh, other shoe to drop, um, but maybe that other shoe never dropped. And that's what kind of makes this year specific. Can I counter him? I actually um, love that point, but I'd argue adversity is what builds you into a champion. The bills okay. of recent years didn't go through these, these battles. They didn't go through these trials. The 2020, they were learning how to be a serious contender. 2021, they went through the tough stretch, and God, I, they were almost there. This year, they have won the close games. Yeah. They have gone through issues on and off the field that unify a team, that unify a community. Like I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but what did Von Miller say all season long? said, it's a long year, and you build yourself as a team through these ups and downs. That's how champions are made. I don't know if they're going to do it or not, but every other team looking at the Bills looks at them as a worthy competition as well. So don't think that Chiefs fans and Bengals fans don't look at the Bills and don't get a little bit scared about that being on their schedule as well. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but Mm -hmm. it's entirely possible. Fair enough, Mike. Wanted to get some stats before we wrap the show, and we'll get predictions in here as we got uh, got to get out of here as the film room's coming up soon. To film room, anyone – we didn't talk much Patriots. Anyone interested in the film room, Eric Turner, Anthony Prohaska, check out the Cover One film room following our show uh, from the Cover One uh, podcast network to talk Patriots and what we did right and what there was to see from that game. So stay tuned for that episode coming in 30 minutes here. But I had some stats I want to throw out here, and we'll get predictions in here. Uh, kind of anyone throw those predictions in. Anyone that nails prediction or plus minus two points on the score prediction, I'm sending you a prize pack of signed goods. So get your score predictions in now from now till kickoff here on the comments and through uh, podcasts anywhere. Uh, throw, them, throw them anywhere you get you can, and we'll, we'll accumulate those. But, Mike, got some stats to throw at you real quick. You mentioned it, and you kind of, kind, of, kind of teased it a little bit. Super Bowl odds for Kansas City Chiefs, the number one team because of the buy going in is 25%, right, what you said. The, uh, the Chiefs only have a 25% chance, and that's with one less round. Um, number two. You would think it'd be the Eagles. It's the Bills at 21% uh, with the round of play. Um, the Bills have a 21% chance to win it all based on their scores, their ELO, their metrics, their uh, all their are the advanced statistics. 21% chance to win the Super Bowl. Guys, feel happy about that. That is a monumental percentage having to play in the uh, wild card round. Eagles are third at 20%, actually below the Bills, and 49ers are fourth at 14, and the Bengals are fifth at 8%. No one else is anywhere near them. So there's only five real teams with any probability to win the playoff, uh, win the Super Bowl. 
mainly being really three teams with 20, uh, you know, roughly 20%. So also to, to consider in this, in this, in this game, as we, as we approach it, uh, 538 sports, who's really good uh, with all types of different statistical um, ideas, 89% chance the bills win this game based on all factors, 14.5% spread. That is them figuring Tua doesn't play. I'm going to assume, obviously they do not think Tua plays. That's almost a Skylar Thompson um, spread. So we'll see if that ends up coming true. Um, Silas says, uh, with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Since he looks better than we do and KC looks super potent offensively, do you think this team can get enough stops against Cincy and KC to win? Um, good question, Whittle. It's a good question to kind of to kind of put this to to all all full circle. I do. I think that this defense always comes up big. One of the best DVOA metrics in the second quarter, which we didn't see against the Bengals. Uh, really good in the third quarter, and they've been much better in the fourth quarter later in the year than they were earlier in the year. Winning very winning a constitute. They've won five one score games back when we used to say they couldn't win any uh, with like a year and a couple of the, a couple games stretch. So I do believe so. We saw a pick. We saw a confused combo coverage on man on one side, zone on the other. Patrick Mahomes threw right into it, into an interception. I do think the Bills have what it takes to especially match up with Casey. I'm not as scared against them on a neutral field. Um, and Casey's since, lost games too. Like Casey, they're going to overtime with Houston's uh, Whittle. Like they're going well, to overtime Bill with Houston. Have to realize it's not just us that are playing close games and finding ways to win tough battles. Kansas City for the last month and a half has been playing close games. They had they needed overtime to beat. The Houston Texans, they needed overtime to beat Malik Willis and the Tennessee Titans. They've had two close games against the Denver Broncos. The the um, the Cincinnati Bengals opened the year losing against Pittsburgh. The Bills absolutely have the players to beat both Kansas City and Cincinnati. The question isn't can they. The, the question is will they. And the, the thing about Cincinnati, it was just – three weeks ago that they had a, I believe a 22, nothing lead against new England and nearly lost the game uh, against the Patriots. If the Patriots had won that, we'd be talking about them going to the playoffs. So it would be, uh, it's not, it's entirely possible that, that the bills can beat both of those teams. And yes, it didn't look good early on against Cincinnati. I'll grant you that, but the bills, like Kev said, struggle in the first quarter of these games. What do the Bills – what are the Bills great at? Adjusting. They adjust. So I, I, I still don't want to guarantee the Bills would have lost the game against Cincy. The, the biggest thing right now when you look at the Bills' defense, obviously Novon Miller, the pass rush is definitely 
taken a step backwards in the last yeah. month and a half. So that is definitely a concern since that was the big move of the offseason. Is there a possibility Micah Hyde might be back at some point in the playoffs? Is that a surprise? Could that change things? If you found out a week from now Micah Hyde is back and he's playing, suddenly what do you think about the Bills' defense at that point? It changes some things. I'm not saying it's realistic or not. I don't know anything. But there's always that little bit of uh, rumblings and, and rumors talking about it. So we'll see. This Bills' defense has one of the best linebacking duos in the NFL. The, their defensive line, even without Von Miller, has talent. Uh, with Jones and Oliver and Rousseau. Corner, that's that's the question mark. Can Trey, can Trey and Dane and Kyrie, can they put it together? Can Christian Benford give them a boost? Christian Benford was playing tremendous before he got hurt. So there's a lot of unknowns. And how are they going to game plan for these games? So that's why we're talking about what is the easiest path? Well, let's hope Cincinnati gets upset in the first round. Yeah, let's let's. I I mean, Whittle, sure. The path of let's just say a fully healthy Miami team, which they're not, but let's say a fully healthy Miami team to Cincy to KC to Philly slash SF is not great. That is not the kind of path you want. Just in, in an NCAA tournament, that's not the path you want. That's not likely. Those odds aren't amazing because you need to play perfect football in four games. Um, probably wouldn't happen, especially as you get away from the home field. However. Let's go back into real life scenarios as a super banged up Miami team, which, you know, 538 is given at 14 and a half, airing on one of the largest wildcard spreads ever, especially if the third string quarterback plays with no running back and no offensive line. Sure, they still have weapons that could keep the game close, I guess, um, throughout that. Uh, with, with two, obviously, things could change a little bit. Then you go to maybe getting an upset to Mike's point um, and hoping that you get Jacksonville at home, a young team that has a lot to prove, but just didn't, still didn't look good against Tennessee. Um, uh, quite frankly, they, they, they want on a, they want on a sack fumble. Give me a Miami Jacksonville, Baltimore, Seattle, uh, run. You don't get a double, you don't get a double Super Bowl, Mike. You don't get a double Super Bowl for playing Philly. You don't, you don't get a double Super Bowl. You don't get your uh, wide right goes, goes in. You don't, you don't, nothing changes. Like nothing, there's nothing unfair about wanting to play the best odds to win this entire thing. Um, and I think Whittle agrees with you, Mike. Oh, we um, keep clicking on at the same time. I'm sorry. Mike, Whittle agrees with you, though, <laughs> if, if if we see Hyde at some point um, that he's booking a flight to Phoenix the same day. And that's that's right. That's exactly right. I think he could change the entire secondary. Um, so we'll see if there's any realistic chance that we see him uh, in the divisional round Um championship game or the Super Bowl if it comes to that. So everybody's staying tuned. He does look like he's running mighty routes. And then Jameson Crowder, we all like to joke around about receiver. What could he add into the slot, uh, into the slot position that everybody wants changed? He could be at least a difference maker on a short-term basis uh, for this team when no one's game planning to have a, a sure-handed, talk about a sure-handed guy, it's Jameson Crowder. He does some good things well um, in this situation. So no one's, you don't get extra credit uh, for beating a better path. There's no extra Super Bowl, Super Super Bowl win uh, for that. Um, Dolphins, Cincy, KC, or LA, then San Fran is my guess. So you have a fairly chalk, uh, chalks uh, path there. But yeah, I mean, you can beat the best too. That's still fun. Um, and Josh Allen, scary Josh Allen. Yep. Josh Allen could be Josh Allen's kryptonite. Um, so there's definitely uh, that. I'd rather play a young team from Florida up in, uh, up in New York any day of the week 
Um, I don't, I don't just don't think that team's overly talented at this stage, uh, but they do have some game records as well uh, going forward. And Lamar does own the Bengals. Um, he does have a fairly good record if he does play. So I am excited to see that. That's huge news. I want to see Lamar. I want to see for him too. Really, I do. DVOA has Baltimore number, I believe. Let me see this here. Um, be one second. Cincinnati and Baltimore aren't that far away. Like Baltimore is seven, Cincinnati is five. So this is not a game where you're like, oh, "Oh, Cincinnati's gonna kill him. I I personally, if Lamar Jackson plays, the Ravens defense can contain Cincinnati. The question is, can Lamar get the the Ravens offense rolling if they can that could be a dangerous matchup yeah I mean Giants are the worst team in the playoffs per DVOA 21st now that's not predictive that's saying what they've done based on each individual play to date it doesn't mean because you're 21 and you're 18th blah 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 we get it but the propensity for the Giants to continue to play 21st rated DVOA would I still think the odds are very well in that Tampa Bay 17th um, Jacksonville's 13th um, so there's definitely Jacksonville probably is the worst team on the AFC side per DVOA if you buy into that. Um, and I probably do. I think that they're them in Miami are the worst teams coming into this, in my opinion. We'll see how that all works out. But Mike, we've been here for over 90 minutes. We really appreciate everybody tuning in and we'll have we'll have, uh, you know, hopefully a great we don't know what guest. I don't know. I don't know who they could play. It could be a Bengals guest. Uh, hopefully it's not just a recap show and uh, we're going to have, um, you know, let's maybe, get a Ravens guest. Let's, book let's get a rate. No, we can't next oh, time. No, next no, week. Ravens, I'm sorry. Let's get a Jack. Oh, I'm sorry. I have I'm, a Jags guy lined up and I have, no, um, Kev, I'm Chargers. already thinking, I'm already thinking AFC championship after okay. Baltimore wins the first two rounds. And yeah, that's fair. Um, so we'll have the guests come and do, you'll have an action pack show uh, next week here on the going deep podcast um, from the cover one podcast network at seven o'clock. Um, so we're looking forward to this game. Tweet your score predictions at us once again. Put them in the comments. Put them in the chat here on our YouTube channel. Log on. For all of our on-demand listeners, we appreciate you guys listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please like us. Uh, that means a lot. Please give us five stars. It helps us create uh, amazing content. But we got the film room coming up in 15 minutes. We're going to pass it off to Eric Turner and crew. I know they have some uh, really great film. A lot. He said it's going to be a long one. So they have some really great plays to show and some really good breakdowns of the Bills Patriots game and maybe with the from there what they think about what this uh this um, Dolphins game might look like. But from Kevin and Mike, I need Mike's score prediction. I need Kevin's score prediction. Then we're going to get out of here. Go ahead, Mike. What do you got? I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and do what you let uh, our guests do earlier today. Make oh. uh, if Tua plays, I'm gonna pick the Bills thirty to. I'll say twenty seven. Uh, I am a little okay. scared of the Miami. Yeah, copy him. That's what he said. That, that's. I was thinking it before he said it, just to okay. be fair. If Teddy plays, Bills thirty to seventeen. Thirty to seventeen if Teddy plays. Okay, I like it. I think that it's going to be too much for the Dolphins to overcome. I think the Bills were close to potentially running away with it last time. Uh, the weather elements they kind of let them run a little bit um, and did really play well in the fourth quarter. They kind of had a snow game plan from what I had heard. Um, and we'll see if Tua's, if he does go, what he's able to do off of a pretty serious injury and being tentative in the pocket and not wanting to take another hit. We'll see if all he does is want to get rid of the ball quick. And as we've heard, Jalen Waddle does not make quick passes uh, as much as you think he would. He's just like Gabe Davis um, in terms of deep route uh, prowess. So I have the Bills winning this game, uh, I think, in 34 to 13 fashion. I'm predicting Tua doesn't play, um, and that's just where I'm going to leave my prediction. Uh, right now 
34-13. I, I really think I feel good about it being Skylar Thompson. But if Tua plays, obviously that score prediction changes. I mean, he does add seven points to the score, at least on his own. Um, but I'm still feeling good about a 34-21 uh, game in this case, even with Tua in the lineup. I think there's going to be emotion. I think the Bills have a lot to play for. Good news on DeMar Hamlin. Uh, just just, just a lot to go. And I think this could be the Bills' year that they get it done. And last year we were probably predicting with that good uh, uh, Patriots defense, three-point wins, Mike. Uh, they weren't missing players, and we um, bamboozled them by 40. So that is my score prediction uh, going forward. Um, and if Tua plays, obviously there's, there's still points there for the Dolphins and the Dolphins' side. So from – yeah, and I doubt – Good point. I doubt they kick the Hines. I think that thing's going through the Enzo all day, every day. Uh, Silas has 34-16 Whittle. Appreciate that. That's that's not bad. That's pretty good. Miami's close. weak with the, the DVOA with their, their defense, uh, their kick return uh, unit from what Eric was saying earlier. So I, if, they, if they do let them return one, watch out. Yeah, it's a pretty poor DVOA defense uh, in general. Um, but then you have, yeah, 28th. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're in, they're in trouble. Uh, special teams. I think that thing's going far through the end zone. So I don't know that we'll see that uh, opportunity, but from Kevin, that's Mike. We'll be back with you right here. Seven o'clock next Tuesday from the going deep podcast and the cover one podcast network. Josh Allen looking deep, going deep. To me talking about the bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down field, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus a little more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is hauled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.